Just a little thing about mountains, church. I'm not sure whether you're all aware what's happened up there. Do you want to hear some really big irony? They got flooded. <laughs> they can't meet in their building. They have to meet out on the deck because some plumber through the week attached something wrong and flooded the whole building. I figured God wants us all in, right? <laughs> Look out, Penrith Church in Cambodia. But uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, just got back from overseas and um, Ben, Minset and I had a great time at Pan Asia Conference where over 200 people gathered. Many of our missionaries from all over the world from the ACC movement um, got together and we heard some amazing stories. It was a great week and God is doing incredible things coming out of COVID all over the world. It's great, but I've got to tell you, I heard no better stories than the ones I witnessed the following week. And I went off to Cambodia to visit our church there in Cambodia. And if you're watching online from Cambodia, love you, miss you, miss your faces, miss um, being with you, but it's beautiful to be home. And um, I arrived there and we went and baptised 17 people. One of them a young Muslim man who decided to follow Jesus instead. And uh, in the Mekong River, that's got to be historic, right? You'll never see the bottom of the Mekong River, trust me. And, um, and I felt the water, it's quite warm. They're freezing. <laughs> it's quite ironic, I thought. But um, that was great. And then I went to church and uh, had a great time with the young people. They have a Sunday afternoon church service, young people, which we could not fit in the building, which is the sign of things which are happening right there in Cambodia now. And um, in a couple of weeks, we've got Frontiers. I want to talk to you about that because I think we have an answer for it. And um, church, what better thing to be part of than to expanding a building so we can fit them in. That's great. Anyway, we're going to talk more about that. And um, also went out to our church at Maymot, a village which is about two hours away from Kapung Cham, and um, had a wonderful time out there. The people were beautiful. They made me a really nice curry, which was great. And went to our village, which is another 40 minutes from there, which is um, a place called Kompon. And um, there's 11, 11 families live in this very, very remote village. I don't think you can get any more remote than this. And, um, and they all love Jesus, every family. This is, the, this is the village we actually put a well in. Um, they were traveling about two k's each way just to get fresh water. And I uh, heard about that. I rang some of you, got online and said, come on guys, and within a day, we were able to put a well in there. And I'll pump some water out of that well. So well done. But again, the most beautiful people um, you'll ever meet. And wonderful, wonderful, humble servants of Jesus. The young people just astounding, almost as astounding as our young people here. And um, I've got lots more to share with you, but we're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks on Frontiers. So prepare your hearts. Do not miss out. We just want to share a little bit about what's happening overseas in our church. Um, yeah, and it was also great to hear Minset and Ben share at um, the conference that we went to about what's happening. Ben, the church, and Minset with Strong Village. And uh, I've got to tell you, Minset, when he spoke, got the whole congregation just riled up because his passion just poured out. It was cool. It was awesome. Amen? Amen. Ah, it's great to see you. I've got to tell you, I was quite emotional in worship. And yes, because we were worshiping Jesus and got a real fresh revelation of Jesus um, while I was away. But also to be with you and to worship alongside our church family. It's just amazing. So thank you for that. Today I want to speak my third message in my little series called Get Out of the Corner. Come out of the corner. Come out of the corner three, this is, if you're taking notes, and subtitled, Looking Unto Jesus. And I really feel this is a prophetic word over, if not all of us, many of us. And um, I've been yearning to share this. I actually prepared a lot of this before I was even 
left the shores and um, started preparing and Jesus just showing me things and, and um, been preparing this with anticipation. If you'd like to, if you've got your Bibles, I think the scriptures might be up on the screens. I'll send them through a bit late. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews was. I'd like to think it's either Paul or someone who hung out with him because he says so many similar things. And probably Apollos or Barnabas, who knows. Therefore, since we are summoned by such a great cloud of witnesses, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners or the world so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Interesting passage of scripture. I've read that several times, heard several sermons on this passage of scripture. But I got a fresh revelation just reading it a few weeks ago and I really felt the Lord says, I want you to speak this to the church. I feel like there's several people this is gonna minister to you today so I don't want you to hear a sermon today. I want you to receive a word from God. Is that cool? Yeah. This is not just a nice little sermon. This is a word from God for us. And it's strategic. And it's something I think that God wants over a strong nation, probably all of us. And um, specifically for you. Amen? First thing it says there is, uh, in the first verse it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, have a, we all have a race to run. We're in a race. Paul actually talks about you're in a race. And if you're in a race, run in such a way as to win. I think we sometimes don't do that. I, my heart is that we would all run in such a way as to win. We just saw a lot of the Commonwealth Games, which got a bit boring really hearing the Australian anthem, seeing so many gold medals. But I love the fact that they all trained for so long to win, to get a gold, gold medal. You know, and for some of them, silver or bronze, silver just means world's fastest loser. They want gold. They want to win. And I think in the Christian realm, when we realise we actually have a run to race, a race to run, silver is not what we want. But sometimes things get tough or we get discouraged or something might happen. And in our minds, it's sort of like, well, it's safer in the middle of the pack. I'll just run and as long as I don't come last. Remember the cross countries at school? Just don't come last. So you hang out, you sort of run next to the guy who's got a big limp. The charity guy, you know? And so, and right at the end, you say, don't worry, I'll be with you. And 50, 50 metres ago, you'd sprint. I didn't come last. But sometimes in our Christian walk, our race, we like to just run middle of the pack. I don't want to come last. But you know what? Uh, out in front's too exposing. I got hurt last time. I got discouraged, it hit me. Paul says, no, 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 when he writes to the Corinthians, run in such a way as to win your race. We've all been given a race and yours is different to mine, but we run together and we're called to run this race. It might be easy in the middle of the pack, but it's not where you win. You win from out in front. This series that I'm speaking about come out of the corner while I'm switching metaphors from the boxing match to the running race today. <clears throat> Coming out of the corner in a boxing match, I felt like 
probably worldwide, the church has been in the corner like this for the last two and a half years, taking the hits, taking the discouragement, and in the corner in a boxing ring is not where you want to be. It's time to get out of the corner. Well, I want to change the metaphor to it's time to run our race. It's time to get out in front. It's time to put the strides in. I feel like there's a real prophetic challenge over us as a church to do this because I think it's strategic for the world in which we live. The world needs us to run this race. The world is desperate and crying out. It's moaning, it's, it's, it's groaning from within inside. Will someone please run this race? The world needs the church to run its race. And that's us. So how do we run this race when sometimes it gets really hard? Because it does. Sometimes it gets difficult, sometimes it's discouraging. Let's go back to verse one, right at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses? Who's watching? Stalkers. Well, you go back to Hebrews chapter 10, and the writer is there um, pretty well asking the question, why are you still paying sacrifice? Don't you realize Jesus did it all? That's what he, this person's trying to convince. Jesus, why, why are you doing all this religious stuff? That's not, about, not what God's done for you. Jesus set you free from all that. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the commandments. So why are you still practicing that? And what they were, they were very religious. Hebrews 10, he says, keep gathering together, encourage one another, and live by faith. That's what he says in Hebrews 10. Then he goes into Hebrews 11 and shows examples. He talks about Abel. Cain and Abel, Abel, Adam and Eve's son, you know, how he, he, he provided righteous offerings. Enoch, who didn't turn home, didn't arrive home for dinner one night, and Mrs. Enoch got really worried because God took him, right? Noah obeyed God and built an ark. Abraham left his home for the promise. Sarah, an older woman, faith for a child. Isaac and Jacob, her son and grandson, they carried that promise. It goes on through Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak. Barak, he was the one who called Deborah out. Said, come on, Deborah, you're called for this. We need you, you know. Samson, Jephthah, Jephthah was a Shibboleth guy who um, protected a huge part of Israel from an attacking enemy. David and Samuel, just mentions all those and um, they, they all had their own race. At different times in history, it's like it was almost a relay. They handed the baton to one another and each of them took that baton and began to run the race. But every one of them had difficulties. Now Jacob, he had to wrestle with God and had a broken hip and walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Oh, but isn't God caring and gentle? Sometimes he'd rather you walk with a limp following him running this race than not having a limp not running the race. Jacob was a character. What they all had in common though, and this is what Hebrews 11 is all about is, Faith, faith. They did their race with faith, nothing more. When the hurdles came up, they had to draw on faith. When the difficulties arose and a bend in the road, uh, road came or the, the track got rough, or whatever, they had to have faith. And that's what the purpose of Hebrews 11 is, talking about these champions of faith, right? They all had their part to play but never saw the final fulfillment. Isn't that interesting? They needed faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. All these people died 
still believing that God had promised them. Just think about that for a minute. They didn't allow discouragement to get in. Oh, where's God? Where is he? He said he'd show up and he didn't. They didn't do that. They all died still believing that God had promised them. Wow, that's enough there. We can go home now. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They saw it from a distance, the promise. They saw the end of the race. They saw their purpose in the great race of God. And they, 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 they sat back and they thought, you know what, I welcome that. They agreed that they were foreigners, nomads here on earth. And in other words, they realized their purpose was a godly purpose, not a purpose to achieve in this world, but to achieve God's promise. Again, what a, you can just preach on that verse. Our job is not to fulfill what the world has. The world is against God. Our job is to fulfill what God wants within this world. Peter actually says, you're aliens in this world. You're passing through. These people understood that and that faith is what saw that 2,000, more than that, three, 5,000, some of them, were still talking about them. They're in that race. You're in the same race. Can you see your part to play? Do you have faith to see it? Because sometimes circumstances might get in the road of your faith and you can't see it. But I feel like today's a day to lift up our eyes and again look with faith at what the purposes God has over your life. They're still there. God does not repent of his call. He never does. Once he's called you, it's done. He will never stop calling you. But sometimes our ears grow soft to the call sometimes and we can't hear it. That's what happens. Can we turn up our ears again just to listen and zone in on what his call is again? You've got a race to run, just like these champions did. You are part of that great story that David had. Samson, Gideon, Deborah. They all have, they're all part of this amazing story and you are also part of that story. Your, your leg of the race, as it is mine. So how do we run this race when sometimes it gets hard? Back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Wow, there, there's a few points in there if you want a three-point sermon. Just get rid of the stuff that tangles you up. In our life, there are so many things that hinder us. There are so many things we make more important than God. The Bible calls them idols and they tangle you up and they're almost by the devil designed to take you out of the game. Sometimes it can be a good God or a good little idol. It could be something like, you know, looking after my health and fitness. It's more important. I know of a guy who... Um, who saw a sporting event so important that he feared it. He feared it so much that every Sunday morning, instead of going to church, he would train. What? Where's your fear for God? Not fear as in I'm scared, fear as in I love him and wanna honor him. That's important. We allow other things to hinder us. Jesus actually said, when he talked about seeds, falling into the ground, the ones that grew up amongst the thorns and ended up getting strangled by the thorns. He said, 
Those are the, that represents the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Wow, if there was ever a word spoken to the Western church. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches tangle us all up. So we can't. He, the writer here is just saying, you know, throw off everything that hinders. Now, there's lots of good things I have in my life, but I don't want them to have me. I love money. Money's a great thing. I don't love money, but I love being able to have money, right? The problem is, is when the money has me. I've got to get a bit more. Or the stuff. I love my beehives. They're awesome. Pray for them at the moment. They're not in lockdown, but they could be soon. But I don't want those beehives to have me. I'm not going to let them tangle me up. The bees go if that's the case. I will lay them off. It's my hobby. I love it. I find it very relaxing. But if it comes between me and the race, I must drop them off. They're good. They're nice. They're great for the environment. But let me tell you, I must cast it off. It also says there, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily ensnares. Now, let's get something straight. When Jesus rose again from the grave, he had taken every one of your sins to the grave, even the ones you're gonna do tomorrow. You are no longer judged before them. Do you understand that? That is true gospel. Oh, but I've sinned, sinned. that means I'm not going to heaven? That is wrong gospel. That is bad news, not good news. Jesus come to bring good news. You are totally forgiven if you've got your faith in Christ. That's the only requirement, faith in Christ. Do you understand that? That's good theology, Pastor Rick, come on. So why don't we just go on sinning? You know, Paul asked, asked the Romans the same thing. Do we go on sinning that grace may abound? Absolutely not, he says. Why? Because you're gonna tangle your life up. You're not gonna be able to run your race. It's gonna, it's gonna take you down. It could destroy your marriage. It'll affect your kids. That's why we don't sin. It's not that God will judge you anymore because he's already judged Jesus guilty on the cross on behalf of me. Because of my faith in Christ, I'm no longer judged guilty. Can I get an amen? amen? But that sin, if I continually willfully do that, it will tie me up to a point where I can't run a race. I've seen it countless times in my life, let alone every other people's lives. This is why we deal with, this is why we don't get caught in sin. This is, we know when we're doing wrong. This little thing called Holy Spirit says, you shouldn't be doing that. Had that feeling? It's like the call of God. If you're not listening, it gets softer and softer in your ear. Listen to it. People might think you're a dork for doing it. It doesn't matter. I'd, I'd rather be a dork running the race than a really cool guy sitting on the sidelines. Yeah? Lay off the sin. Get it out of there. Discipline is part of a disciple's life. Not so that you'll be saved anymore because you can't get any more saved than you are if you've got faith in Christ. Right? But you can get tangled up. It's time to get untangled. It's time to say, I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna speak life, not death. I'm gonna allow life into my life. I'm gonna grow spiritually, not allow myself just to become normal average Joe that looks like the world. Amen? Think about the cloud of witnesses I just read. Other than Abel and Enoch, every one of them stuffed up real bad. Really bad. David, oh my goodness, sleep with another man's wife. She gets pregnant. Oh, what do you do? Kill the husband. Keep it a secret. 
This is God's anointed leader. <laughs> he stuffed up bad. But he was the same one who wrote Psalm 51. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Basically, I know I deserve a hiding, but I know you're gracious. And I'm just gonna come to you with a broken heart, a contrite heart. And I'm just gonna ask you to keep your spirit with me. Led Israel, God's people through the golden age. Now, we're all sinners. Well, we, we all had the nature of sin, but you no longer do, according to the Bible. When you receive Jesus Christ in your faith, he swapped your sinful nature with God's nature. Our job is to get God's nature active more in our lives. The old man leaves home, leaves behind some baggage sometimes. I like to open it up. Let's face it, if sin wasn't tasty, we wouldn't eat it. But it turns to gravel in our mouth, the Bible says. We don't wanna do that. So let's throw it off. How do we do that? How do we throw off sin? It's tough. It really is. You know, someone will say something and all of a sudden I'm offended and I just wanna, how do I do it? Sin makes you small. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it up. Jonathan, I'm gonna bring it up. I'm gonna bring it up. A couple of weeks ago, Panthers playing the Canberra Raiders. And um, something happened in the game, which happens in football. God got hit where you really don't want to get hit. The coach comes out and starts hammering this young man who's, what, 24 years old, and found out why he did such an attack. It's because 12 years before, when this guy was 11 years old, did something nasty to his daughter. 11-year-old said something nasty. How unusual. But this coach was so gripped up with, with unforgiveness that it, it bitterness, that it just came out like venom. All because he didn't forgive. Forgiveness is powerful, it deals with sin. And forgiveness is not for the kid, it was for him. I wrote a little message on there, hey mate, just forgive, you'll set yourself free. Shouldn't have done that, I got a bit of flashback on that one. Unforgiveness is sin. It tangles you up. Throw it off. Anyway, how do we do it? How do we do this? How do we be strong enough to stop walking that way? Get rid of the hindrances. How do we do it? I believe the writer of Hebrews gives us the key. Verse two, chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus. That's enough the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Wow. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. That is everything. That is it all. He's the one who's strong enough. He's the one who has the wisdom. He's the one who has the power. We sang about it. But yet, oh yeah, I've got, to, I've got to get better. I've got to be, I've got to be stronger. I've got, to, I've, I've got to be more onto this. Well, friend, you don't. Just look to Jesus. Do you know what? I tried to be good and not sinful for so long. Tried it so, and I got really good at it. In fact, I got so proud of myself, and I realized then, oh, pride's sin, hang on. 
But then the other way to do it is just look to Jesus. And it's amazing how the temptation goes away. It's amazing how the hindrances don't have any power over you anymore. When you just look to Jesus, he actually sorts it out for you. And I don't mean just praying, say, Jesus, help, although it's a good place to start. I think it's having a life that looks to him and draws on him, and it says in there, with faith. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the initiator and the one who builds it. And that faith, every time I'm just looking to him, it's a cycle thing. I use faith to look to him, and then he builds that faith, and it gets more and more faith as I look to him. Faith to be able to stand and resist. Faith to be able to take off the tangles. Faith to be able to see through the clouds. Faith to be able to take off that thing that come and lay on you when that bad news came. You can't do it in your own strength. You need to look to Jesus. And he's made himself available through the spirit. I'm going to my father now, but he's gonna send a gift. I remember once I had a great moment the most life-changing moment in my life where the Holy Spirit just stood before me. I could see him in my closed eyes and, and he, he said this thing, Rick, I want you to worship me. I said, hang on, I worship Jesus. The Bible says that. I'll never forget what he said back to me. Rick, Jesus and I are so close together, you can't tell us apart. And that spirit dwells with you all the time. In fact, for most of you, he dwells in you all of the time. So looking under Jesus so easy now. It's not as if we have to go looking for him. We don't have to go search him out. He's right there with us, in us, working through us. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is the one who grows us. Jesus is the one who initiates all that. And this is the key to seeing your race run. This is the key. Looking under Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When things are hard, what do you do? (coughs) Things are gonna get tough. That's why he sent a comforter. Why would God send a comforter if you're not gonna need comfort? Everyone thinks, oh, now I'm a Christian. It's gonna be, everything's gonna be perfect. (laughs) I actually think it was easier before. It's not easy, it's tough. Because you're running a race. Everyone else is in the middle pack. You're not called to do that, you're, you're out in front. You're exposed, you're in the middle of the ring. It's gonna get tough, what are you doing when it gets tough? You look to Jesus. When you're feeling overwhelmed, what's the, what's the old proverb say? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Your good old song, we should bring that one back. You find yourself battling when your family is under attack, when you don't have vision and stamina anymore. What do you do? Look to Jesus. When you've forgotten what the call is, look to Jesus. You don't look to your spouse because your spouse might be in the same situation, both of you. Look to Jesus. He's the one who has your faith in his hands. He's the one who can build it. He's the one who can create even more faith in you. He's the life giver. When you're scared, when you're depressed, when anxiety grips you, what do you do? Look to Jesus. 
Keep your eyes on him. When was the last time you just took some time out and had a coffee with him? Had a great time with Utom. Well, I think the highlight for me was spending time with Utom and the team over there just having a few coffees. I talked to him about this whole idea of just having a coffee with God. He doesn't drink much, but you can still have a coffee with him and just catch up and ask him just to say, hey, how's my heart? And then, then listen, listen in your spirit. Just take that time to have a conversation in your spirit with God. That's looking to Jesus. Just take, shutting out the noise of life and having that quiet moment. Surely you've got five minutes a day you can do that. If you're too busy for that, you're way too busy. Getting fresh bread from him. Don't dwell on yesterday's bread. He's a baker and he cooks the most nice bread. That's metaphoric, the word, the word of God, the Bible. When you're reading the word, don't just read a... I'm actually not a fan of the year plan thing. I know if you are good on you, love you, you're awesome. But I'm not a fan because I'd hate to read the Bible in a whole year and not have God speak to me. I want to know what the fresh bread is. What did you bake for me today, God? And as you're reading the word, just allow that word just to, wow, is that why? Why did he want me to read that? Oh, wow. You're looking under Jesus. You're allowing this fresh rhema today. You should have fresh bread every day. And here's the thing. Parents, listen to me. Your children need to eat your fresh bread. Don't give them stale bread. They're hungry. And if you get some fresh bread that day, guess what? They get fresh bread. Give it to them. Share it with them. Around a meal table, just say, this is what God said to me today. Make it plain and simple for them. Mate, they, get, they, they eat on that. And when they become adults, guess what they will crave every day of their life? Fresh bread. Looking under Jesus. Amen? Looking under him is so important. I, I once heard a guy tell a story. He and his little son were in a bank, his little toddler, in a bank. And his little son went over to play with some Lego or something while he was in line and just watching him. And a bank robber comes in. Everyone on the ground. Boom. And of course, his father, he's just thinking, my son. And all he says, son, look at me. Look at me. Just watch me. He just locked eyes. Little boy, he's not, he's not knowing what's going on. Doesn't realize his life is in danger. Look at me. Just look at me. And the bank robbery all happened. The guy ran out. Relief came. I feel like that's what God does to us. You might be going to go through a tough time. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. I need you to just don't, don't, lock, don't, don't lose locking eyes. Keep looking, keep looking. You're going to go through a real tough time. It's going to get wavy. It's going to get terrible. It's going to get strong. It's going to be dark sometimes. Just look at me. You come out of those times stronger and able to get others out as well because you know the way out. Amen. Our world needs us to have this kind of faith. Our world needs us to have our eyes on Jesus. The world we have. One thing that moves me emotionally a lot right now is when I start thinking about the people in our community. It just moves me. I had a great coffee with someone from our community out here um, on Saturday. Was it Saturday? It was Friday afternoon, was it? And I um, just sat down and had a great time with him, chatting. 
And I just left there so lifted. Just done me wonderful. It's just wonderful. And I realized, God, you're setting up an appointment here because he needs what you've given me. He needs it. He doesn't know that. And all those who live around him need what God's given me. I've got to run my race. And I do it with faith. Verse three. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, or let's replace the word, the world, and he did, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Why would the writer put that in there? Probably because we're going to have opposition from the world. Probably. Just think about Jesus. He went through it. He was the one who said, blessed are you if you're persecuted. You're blessed. You're blessed. That persecution is doing an amazing thing in you. How do you get through the persecution? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. Thanks, Musos. Be great. I want us to spend a bit of time just looking to Jesus. It's time to run our race, church. It's time to come out of the corner. It's time for us to press forward and to be the encouragement in our communities. It's time for us to be the ones who are speaking life. It's time for us to be the ones who have the faith when no one else has faith. It's time for us to, to find you know, those who have need and to find a way to, to meet that need in some hands, being the hands of Jesus. That's what time it is. That's our race. Run in such a way as to win. It's not a time to sleep. It's not a time to stay in the corner. It's not a time to sit back and in the middle of the pack and say, it's okay, they'll do it. Every one of us, every one of us has a race to run. Who knows when the end's gonna be? Jesus could come back in our lifetime. It's looking pretty promising, but it might not happen. But one day we will stand together in this awesome crowd with tribes, tongues, nations that cannot be counted. I'm looking forward to it because the doorposts will be shaking when they sing holy, holy, holy. It's like a Friday night here. I want to be able to stand in that crowd saying, we ran our race like a cloud of witnesses. If God's to take me home one day and you're still here, I'm going to be in the cloud. So I ran my race. I passed the baton. It's time to run. It's time to do what we can do. Keep going. Keep going. Get up. You scratched your knee. Yeah, that's a pretty bad gash. Yeah, give it a rub. That's what I should say to all my kids. <laughs> Blood gushing out. Just give it a rub. You'll be right. It works. It's still alive. Got to keep running our race. There's a few people here. You've stopped running. Can you hear the call? Oh, but you don't know what was said to me. Yep probably very offensive but consider what was said to Jesus who endured the cross oh but Rick it was so hard I kept hitting roadblocks every time I know yes consider what Jesus had to go through whipped and beaten proven innocent but still judged guilty for the crime unfair but Rick you don't understand Things are a mess right now. Yep, I understand. Looking under Jesus, 
Let us throw that off and come to Him, allowing Him to untangle us, allowing Him to deal with that stuff that we get addicted to. Speak Jesus. Call out to Him. I think there's a few people here today. It's time. I'm not asking you to sign up for any programs. I'm not asking you to get the church more. I'm asking you to run God's race He's put before you, the great race. Part of this amazing race He started many, many millennia ago. And we are part of it right now. With these cloud of witnesses, these heroes that stand before us. You're ready to run the run of faith? Strong nation, this is a prophetic word over us. Will you run it? Let's all stand, please.